Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello and welcome to a very special Rally Report episode of Absolute Rally. Hopefully this isn't a spoiler for anyone, but massive congratulations to our very own Ryan Champion and Craig Thorley for winning the 2021 Roger Albert Clark Rally. For a full report on the event, we cross to the studio now to hear from our panel, including the man himself. And thanks for the intro, Mark. And as we come into this, obviously, exciting times. As Mark said at the top, we, we are now going to do um, the RAC debrief as we know it. Um, I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues today. I've got Jack Bangin. Hello, Jack Bangin. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? We're, we're, we're all good. And I've got Trevor Agnew as well. Hello. It's, it's great to have you. While I've got such esteemed colleagues and experts, I'm going to come to you first, Jack Bangin. If you were to set about uh, doing a historic rally, how would you go about it? How do you think you'd be able to win it? A historic rally? Yeah. I'd pay as much money to Adam Miller as he wanted and give him a car. Okay. That's, that, that's, that, 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 that's, that's a strong game. Trevor Agnew, your, your strategy, if, if you were to take on some of the toughest historic events um, possibly in the world, but how would you go about winning one? I would make sure of Craig Thorley in the passenger seat alongside me because he's clearly <laughs> brilliant at what he does and he is a key ingredient. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I suppose I'm going to have to, aren't I? Ryan Champion, how would you do it? Hello, hello, Tony Simpson. I'd just get in a car and drive it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, princess, you're back. There you go. <laughs> Ryan Champion, are you still stinking of champagne? He's no, sink, I, I, he's sinking in champagne. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've had a shower since then. Oh, that's reassuring. That's that's that, that's reassuring. And, Jack, and it was actually Prosecco at the time. It was Prosecco, of, of, of course. Champagne evolved since. But very sensible. Jack, Trev, I suppose I'll probably break this to you. I don't know whether you know. Ryan won the RAC last weekend. Well, on Monday. What was he sat along, alongside Craig Thorley then? He was sat alongside <laughs> Craig Thorley. Jack, can you believe it? I thought Finley Champion had won the rally looking at the uh, the end of rally video. Yeah. Well, it, technically, yeah, I suppose Finley and Craig. He was the, uh, he was the real star of the show. He, he Finley, cha- Finley Champion won the internet, not just the, the rally. <laughs> he broke the internet. What, what, I, what I want you to do, right, uh, I, I'm assuming Craig's seen that video. As well, he has. Yeah, Joe yeah. cracked me up, of course, because Craig, Craig had obviously had a slight swipe, even at my good self, over the lack of mentioning Craig Thornley. Even Finley, we've reluctant to mention him. So I think <laughs> that makes Finley more of a driver than a co-driver. Yeah, but, but if, you, if if you notice the, uh, the the co-drivery thing going on, Trevor Agnew's already been quick to to uh, to mention him. So you know, I think I think there's been some some uh, communication going on here. I, I I suspect it, but I also suspect the fact that, of course, your 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 lovely wife was a co-driver as well, who of course was trying to coax Finley into saying. Craig's name and he Craig was bless, and Finley was having none of it. You could tell even Gemma was saying, "No, it took a co-driver as well." So you will acknowledge the co-driver as well. Yeah, I think we needed to get Heidi in at that stage just yeah. to to get the thing job sorted. So he's definitely all co-drivery. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, I suppose we should probably be nice to him, boys. To Craig Thorley, I'm always nice to him. I think he actually <laughs> smiled as well, which was miraculous. 
<laughs> he definitely didn't smile when 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 I was put straight when I rang him and Ryan the other day. I can tell you that. Can can I just say, tell you, you know, I'm doing. I did this rally as well. <laughs> so there was definitely something going on between um yes between everybody. I think that's that, that that's that, that's what that's what we'll say on this. There was definitely something going on. Um, Jack, I'm going to come to you because you're the one freezing your nuts off and trying to recreate the RAC atmosphere by being outside freezing. Um, did you manage to keep abreast of our esteemed colleagues' efforts over the weekend? I did. I, I think the thing I most enjoyed was pretty much every interview I saw with Ryan Champion. He said he was just keeping it in the middle of the road. And then when you saw the pictures at the end of the day, there wasn't a straight picture of that man <laughs> at any point. It was completely sideways, every single picture that was taken of the car all weekend so I'm wondering Ryan was that your version of straight or are you actually pushing a little pushing a little bit harder than maybe you're letting on I've seen a couple of pictures where it wasn't quite in the middle of the road either <laughs> was that was, 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 was that was that down to design Ryan champion um, yeah I, well I have to say most of the pictures do look like I intended to be more or less where I am uh, although there was a couple of instances on ice and snow where it maybe wasn't um, wasn't where I wanted it to be but uh, uh, no I mean I, I was definitely trying to stay out of trouble that, that was the plan but with the conditions that were thrown at the rally at the weekend that was uh, that was a lot easier said than done obviously Trev in, in all seriousness and you know we, we have to make a little bit as well but be unusual for us to do I that. Know, it, it is, you know what? And I, I actually realised and I thought, yeah, that's actually nothing unusual. In fact, if we didn't take the piss, it would almost be wrong. I think we'd lose listeners almost literally. They'd be turning, they'd be turning off the, the sets now. I know he said the radios, then we're not on radio anymore. Uh, anyway, um, I, joking aside, uh, from a co-driving point of view, and this is especially for you, Craig, right? <laughs> but in all seriousness, from a co-driving point of view. An event like that is definitely a throwback. And I can imagine it to be very, 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 very stressful having almost phone book size, yellow pages size um, collections of notes along with maps um, to, to, to just, just get around. The pressure of that must be huge. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I think I got picked for the right one in hindsight because I got picked for the rally where we lasted three minutes, which was flat out through Yorkshire Forest, as opposed to spending five days driving around the whole UK in conditions that were blizzard and uh, ice and all sorts of madness that takes you about three months to prepare for. So I think I got I've the just, best deal ever. I genuinely have just realised I'm the only person currently on this podcast as we speak, that's not Kozro for Ryan Champion. <laughs> <laughs> if I can throw over to you, Jack Benyon, as an ex- extremely experienced well, co-driver. Yeah, but I barely co-drove for him. <laughs> yeah. True, true. Um, Jack Benyon, was there, was there a, was, were you jealous that Ryan was clearly seeing another co-driver? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, no, it's great fun. In fact, I, in fact, I don't think I want to get back in Ryan after he tried to throw me a barrier last time we uh, did a rally but yeah uh, yeah, I think I'll just add to, to kind of what Trev was and, and what, what your question was kind of getting at Tony is you know we see so many rallies these days they're just sprints aren't they effectively compared to what we're what we're used to and that's why I think the RAC especially this year after after a few years out really grabbed people's attention and really interested people because it's just so different to what we're 
what we currently see in, in the UK these days and it's just a, such a, a phenomenal event and I'm sure it's going to be said at some point in the podcast but I think a, a massive, massive, massive credit to the marshals and the organisers of that event for, for the events that happened, what everyone went through, the, the weather and the organisation and, and everything. I just thought it was such a phenomenal effort by everyone involved to to even make that rally happen. So, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're a marshal or a, an organiser on the RAC this year, then shout out to you because that was an amazing performance from you guys as well. Take a bow. Ab- Take a absolutely bow. incredible. All the volunteers, that was just crazy. The Saturday night and people sleeping in cars. And it's the same people probably have done four or five days of it. And incredible, absolutely incredible. Right. And again, we'll try and be remotely serious for a second. Uh, and it's really difficult when I say it as well out loud because it, it naturally makes me laugh. But did you, let's get to this. Were you prepared for what you went through? Um, did you have an appreciation uh, yeah, guess, for, for what you were yeah, about to the, do? Yeah, the only thing obviously we weren't prepared for was was what came in, in terms of weather. And, you know, we talked about it beforehand. Uh, snow tyres are not even now on the approved motorsport uk list of tires would you believe so in theory you you can't use snow tires unless uh unless there's extreme conditions and, and it's agreed that you can use tires outside of that so we were talking about snow tires before and everybody saying yeah don't worry about it if it snows those stages won't run because of emergency access um you know emergency services all that kind of thing but obviously in reality what happened was the, the snow came after all the, the marshals were in, the stages were set up, um, and then and then he driving on on snow effectively on a gravel tyre, and uh, you know everybody says, well he, he used to driving on snow and ice. Uh, yes, I am, but for anybody who's tried driving on snow on a gravel tyre, <laughs> really don't work very well. Um, and and to add to that, it was just a visibility thing. Um, you know, it was uh, literally blizzard conditions on that uh, on that Friday night. So you're driving on snow underneath. At times, uh, you, you could barely see the where the road was because it was just pure white underneath you. But also in front of you was was just a blizzard. So, yeah, like I said, you know, in terms of what the rally was going to throw at us, in terms of the length, the stages, uh, we were well prepared for that. But we, you know, nobody could prepare for those conditions. Nobody saw that storm come in and just how much damage it was going to do. I mean, when they when the wind started to get up and kill the forest, you know, it, it was incredible. And, and thankfully, we we were out of the forest really before the worst of it hit um but when you hear the stories of, of people hearing the trees snapping they said you could just hear the wind whistle through the trees and just just this eerie kind of sound and then and then just the cracking and banging of the the trees going it you know it really sounded actually quite frightening for for the people who who were still in the forest or, or on the edge of the forest when the, when the storm really struck I, I, you know, Trev's just mentioned that there, obviously, we had Chris Harris on him um, last week as well, who's now famously slept in his car. Uh, you were obviously clear of the stage at that point, but this, this, you know, I still think there's, there was almost a documentary to be made with the crews that got stuck in the pub overnight, which which in many ways would have been a dream scenario, I guess, in, you know what I mean? So what what, 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 what was on the grapevine about that? Obviously, because you're on the event and there's always the jungle drums and stuff that happen on the on these events. But, you know, when you've got crews now, you know, literally moving into a pub because they've got nowhere to go, what was the, what was the word on the event? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and, and that 
pub wasn't even en route. You know, the <laughs> the crews that found that that pub had like double bu- double back and and gone around a different direction, and they'd all found themselves uh, Langham, I think the the place was where they found themselves, and and there was something like ten crews, ten or twelve crews found themselves there. They got into the town, um, couldn't get out the other end because a tree had come down. They turned round by the time they tried to go back again, another tree had come down. So that was it. They were stuck in the town. Um, and I think it was getting pretty late by this time. So they'd, they'd ended up in the pub. Apparently the, the landlady had been uh, more than accommodating. And, uh, and some of them had stayed <laughs> what in the bar. Till, um... <laughs> <laughs> Steady, right? Well, <laughs> well I, I'll put it another way. She didn't, she didn't close the bar. Is that so, another euphemism? <laughs> 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 oh, I can't wait to see that in Top Gear. <laughs> oh, I, I, think, I think Chris Harris came in a bit later because he did sleep in the car, like you said, and he found the pub. And, uh, and it, yeah, he was allowed in as well. Oh. Oh. I, I, think oh. I don't think there's anywhere else to go. <laughs> you, you just spare a thought because there was a couple of cars that parked on the edge of the town and didn't know anything about the accommodating pub and actually slept in their cars about two or three hundred metres from said establishment. Wow. Wow. Should have um, followed the red lights. We've got questions sent in. I put something out on Twitter and nobody clearly understood the whole hashtag thing of put this hashtag in, which was the man from Del Monte, RAC. Which sadly nobody took up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really good, Jack. I knew you'd appreciate it. Let's put it that way. Of, of um, course, of course. Yeah. Um, you've actually. Have, have you got? Have you got any questions before we go to our listener questions, Jack? Me personally. Yeah. Um. Not particularly. I'm happy. I'm quite eager to hear what the what the listeners have sent in. Okay. Honest. Okay. So this is this is from Fast Eddie, as we know. Uh, listens to us quite a bit. What was tougher, Ryan Champion, the RAC or the Classic Safari? Um, Great question. It is a good question. They're very different. And that that's maybe sounds obvious, but the, the, the Safari is obviously longer in terms of uh, the event and, and you deal with much rougher sections so you have to uh, there's a lot more variation in speed in, in driving on safari um, whereas I have to say you know despite what people were saying beforehand <laughs> there was certainly an element that people were uh, driving it like a normal gravel rally the, the RSC despite it being significantly longer um, I think uh, yeah like I said they're very different Um and you don't do any nighttime driving in in Africa, whereas obviously we did that on the RSC. And uh, when you you start getting into the the low visibility stuff, I mean that you know that was tricky uh, to be in the dark when you literally can't see in front of you, you can't run the spotlights. Um, I was very glad to to get out of those stages. I mean, I, I guess from that point of view, they're probably some of the toughest stages I've done, just because it, it wasn't just about driving. You, you you were struggling to see where you were going. You were struggling to stay on the road. And uh, uh, yeah, it, like I said, getting out the other end of those was uh, was definitely a, a feeling of relief. Trev, have you got anything you want to post to, to Princess Rai? Yeah, what was your favourite skid? <laughs> <laughs> The one in his underpants, probably in the dark. 
Um, yeah, we did. We did a couple on 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 the icy stages, though. Uh, there was there was uh, there was one actually after a flying finish that we did a bit of skid over the flying finish. So I just kept it going for another hundred meters or so. Craig said you can stop now. I said, well, yeah, I know I can, but <laughs> it's it. icy and. You know, we're just doing a bit of a skid. So you'd have massive uh, advantage having a rear wheel drive car with the engine over the dragon wheels as well. So, oh, a massive advantage! Um, this is going to split the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you haven't got so much weight at the front end, and you can't just turn it on the throttle in quite such the same manner as you can an escort. So, so there's pros and cons both ways. I would say for that one. That was that was a really right. le- that was a really leading question. That Trev, by the way, you were just trying to poke the bear. Go on, Jack. Sorry. Sorry, Tony. I just wanted to ask based on I was just listening to what you're saying there, Ryan, about the, the you know knowing that a few people had gone in a bit too hot at the at the start of the rally. And how, how do you how do you know how to manage the pace over the course of a, an event that long? Because you know I appreciate it is a long event and everything, but you can't afford to lose thirty seconds or or a minute in a stage because you've kind of misjudged the the pace. So and you've got no in splits or anything like that in, inside the stage. So how, how do you kind of manage that? I mean, we we were obviously in a, inherently in a different car to everybody else. So, you know, my plan was always to, to kind of go at the speed I was comfortable at and, and see where that, that led to later on. I mean, uh, in the... In those difficult conditions, there was some big, big gaps, and inherently, you, you don't know if you're going too fast or too slow. But it, it, uh, it really was about surviving those stages. Um, I mean, when it when it came to the pace, we we weren't quite on the pace of the, of the fastest escorts. There's no two ways about that. Um, but I guess if you look at it, we were probably giving somewhere in the region of 300 kilos away to the to the lightest escorts. So uh, we just didn't quite have the out and out speed so we just we just kept our our person just tried to keep consistent and obviously that that paid off in the end um that kind of leads a little bit um on to a question that we sent in by ian clapham who was was the speed of the escort a surprise to you i wouldn't say it was a surprise obviously we didn't know exactly we, we did the malt rally and we we could we could get a bit of a gauge but then I was on stages that, um, you know, I knew a little bit and, and you go into something like Kielder, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, it, it's a leveler for everybody because nobody really knows those, those stages in there. Um, and they were very fast, but like I said, if you look at it on paper, the, the escorts have similar power to, to the Porsche, but they're significantly lighter and, uh, and there were several of the, the cars were built brand new for that rally. So uh, Jason Pritchard was in a brand new car, Ocean was in a brand new car, Seb was in a brand new car and, um, and I was, was was a car that I was kindly loaned from from our ice driving fleet. So, uh, if if it had been a purpose built lightweight gravel car, I think um, you know the, the there would be a lot more speed to get from a 911 as well. If you if you built one brand new for that rally, I think knowing what we do now, you could uh, you could get quite a bit more performance from from a new built car. But um, you know we we had the speed we had, and yeah, like you said, the the, the fastest escorts were were. You know, probably a second a mile quicker, um, and we just had to see what that what that speed difference was. And I, no, like I said, I wouldn't say it was a surprise. Most of these guys have have been in those cars a long time, and we all know just how well developed a Mark II Escort is for gravel rallying in the UK. Yeah, there's one or two of them that run, isn't there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nigel, uh, Nigel Barber, I'm gonna paraphrases very slightly because i think there's a typo in there uh, is there a sense of satisfaction of breaking the escort dominance right uh yeah i guess there's got to be because you know even just following on from that is is the pace of an escort a surprise well well no because 
if if it was, other people would have beaten escorts, wouldn't they? The Chevettes, the S, the Sunbeams, the TR seven V eights, all plus corners, all the things that used to compete with escorts and beat escorts, the Fiat one three ones, um, would have done that. But of course, the escort has just gone through this forty year development period with, uh, you know, with literally hundreds of them running every weekend. So so the the car is is such a well sorted package. It's it's very quick, um, and and yeah, I, I guess there is really. To, to turn up with something that we knew would be strong, knew would be reliable, uh, we played to its strengths, and 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 it, uh, yeah, it, it came to us. So it's nice to do it. It's definitely nice to get another manufacturer on the on the list because inherently, as we've just said, the escorts will take some beating again in the future. George A, what's the most challenging part of the RAC for you? What was the most challenging stage as well? Yeah, I think uh, I think like you said, we just we just covered that when it when it was dark, when it was snowing, when it was blizzard conditions. It wasn't just the stage; it was the road section afterwards. Um, Seb Perez caught me up on the road section afterwards, and he said, "I just wanted to follow you because I couldn't see where I was going. I could see your lights," and uh, and he just came down behind me. We probably did another, I don't know, six or seven miles driving out of the forest in in this blizzard, and and even though the stage was done, you just felt like you could go off the road at any point and just just be stuck there, which would feel pretty stupid, but it. it uh, it was literally quite easy to do um but even uh even then when we got into wales and it, and it was patchy ice that was tricky because again once it uh once it got dark you could see some of the some of the ice and, and not other bits so the rally uh, certainly virtually all the stages were did in the dark they uh they were they were tricky stages and uh you know very much in the character of the original rsc rally um just Martin Cullen sent in a couple of questions, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of pick my favourite one. Sorry, Martin, but um, how does this compare as a as a as a victory as an over say winning a BRC round back in the day for you? Um, I think it's it's obviously quite different when you when you're doing something like BRC, um, like like Trev would would say at the time it's aspirational it's a you know you're trying to make a career from it you want the wins to carry on and, and you're trying to achieve something whereas uh, part of the reason you know over the last the last day we were leading the rally we had a good lead and i wanted to win the rally don't get me wrong but if if i didn't win the rally it, it wasn't going to make any difference to what happened on tuesday morning or wednesday morning um so in some ways you can enjoy it a bit more uh, there's there's less pressure there and it's like I said, you can actually enjoy the result. You can enjoy the rally, and and a lot of the time I always found with with BRC, um, you know, you had manufacturers involved and you had championships involved. You just wanted the result, um, and when you got that result, it, it was about moving on to the next one. So I don't know in in BRC days if you, if you ever really yes you enjoyed it there and then, but you had to carry on doing it and you, you look towards the next one. I don't know how you felt about it, Trevor. Yeah, there's always a bit of that going on. Um, I, and I suppose at that time, you just, once you do achieve it, once you win it, then you move on, you want it, what's the next one, what's the next thing? Um, but my question to you is, would you have won it if you didn't have the coaching chat with Tony Simpson on the Thursday night, which you referenced in your vlog? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the words of wisdom definitely helped you know i mean how how could you not learn from from that level of experience um three rallies and three weekends that's all i'm saying to you yeah son. yeah a lot of nighttime driving as well you know not for me um, no i and that, and that was no, the point the day, i made man. 
you know, back in back in the day, you used to do a lot, didn't you? A no, high speed. And- <laughs> in all seriousness, um, you you obviously you're far more experienced driver than me. But sometimes somebody being outside of that circle, as I am. Um, you you were in the the thick of the fight. Just a gentle reminder of going. You've not done this for fourteen years. So no, it was a fair point, and I, and, and you did remind me of that. And and I was struggling a little bit for pace, struggling a bit for confidence in the dark on the first night. And you said, "Well, when was the last time you were in the forest and in the dark?" Uh, and and I worked it out. It was fourteen years before. And, and not only that, that was on my own notes as well. And um, you sort of take it. That's something that. that takes a little bit bit of getting used to again uh for anybody listening in who's who's competed then some people are used to organizers notes some people are used to their own pace notes and for me it's probably the first time or the first time in a long long time i've used organizers pace notes in the dark so using them in the daylight you can still see a little bit at night you're literally relying completely on the notes and um it, it is it is certainly different driving with a high level of commitment on notes that aren't yours that you haven't made that that don't necessarily work in the same way as you and um it's like we talk, we've talked about pace notes numerous times people see things differently just because you see it as a flat out corner doesn't mean to say somebody else does and when you haven't been able to practice them you just hope they're consistent and uh, and you drive in you're driving as fast as you can on them but that was certainly something that that I would say um, I, I wasn't able to take the risks on on notes provided for me in the same way that some other drivers were. Okay, um, we got a question in from Jack Bengian on Twitter: um, to dip or not to dip? That is the question. <laughs> well, rear wheel drive, you see, so you so you have to. It, dip. Didn't, it didn't matter on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> rear wheel drive, you have to dip, or else you stall the engine. Yeah. Um, I, I did actually. Uh, I did actually disconnect from the from the podcast there for the listeners that didn't know um, on the 18th minute of the podcast because it was a, a protest as Ryan Champion being seeded 18th for the RAC and I think uh, <laughs> I, I think a few uh, organi- organizers doing the seeding in the future or think think twice about seeding Ryan Champion that far down. Oh, I, I was it. concerned you'd been knocked down by a tram. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought when you said that then I throw it show my age here Coronation Street obviously back in the day didn't somebody get killed by a tram yeah yeah, yeah. they did Rita I am, I am in Manchester as well where Coronation Street's filmed so yeah yeah I'm going to watch out for them trams absolutely um, where do we go next so we will go to um, Thomas Harrison Lord how did you mentally prepare for such challenging stages especially trying to concentrate through the latter stages so my management riding champion. Um, well, I think the, the later stages weren't such a, a big issue because we, we were comfortable with the car. But the car was fantastic, by the way. I mean, we just had next to zero problems. We had a couple of small electrical problems with the lights early on. Um, but once we got those rectified, I mean, I mean the car was just, just bomb-proof, which is, which is what we expected of it. So, you know, I, I knew then I was driving at a, a pace where theoretically touch wood i shouldn't make a mistake i didn't think the car would let me down so for the later stages we, we just carried on at the same speed and um in terms of preparing for the rally overall obviously i'm i'm lucky enough that, that i do drive do drive the 911s quite a lot but it, like i said about the pace notes it's not the same as been in competition and uh it's it's very very different 
driving in competition and, and it's been a while since i was coming to fifth gear crests like a, a, whatever fast right fast left coming up to the crest in fifth gear thinking i hope the road is there i hope the road is just where i think it is on the other side or else this could get a bit messy did you notice many fire breaks uh no i can't say i did should <laughs> i have done yeah, well, that was always a thing, wasn't it? You're driving rallies lines in particular. Yeah, but I mean, yes, but I guess on organisers' notes, then then at least you're not completely blind. But um, it's certainly easier when there's a tree line than when it's open, because, like I said, when it's still not a hundred percent sure on on the notes, and there's a tree line, you can still see, it, you still follow it. But when the tree line disappears, um, it, it's definitely harder. Um, last one um, questions, uh, Dave Welford. Uh, hello, Dave. Um, will you be back in 2023 to, develop, to defend your title, Ryan Champion? And secondly, is it in a maestro? Yes, I was going to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was the pregnant pause just, purposely there. Yes, I, I could tell. I could tell from the pause that that yeah. was coming. Uh, no, if if the maestro is going to do the 2023 event, I can reveal that will be with Tony Simpson. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, yes. He's, he's finally you... going to co-drive for you. He'll be the last one of the podcast crew. Yeah. Co-drive yeah. I don't think I think you misinterpreted that. Yes. Oh yes, I think it was oh, driven no, Jack, by Tony. You and me. Or driven by oh Benny. sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I thought Ryan, I thought you said you were driving and, and Tony was gonna co drive for you. Sorry about that. No, 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 no it's no. you co driving for Tony. Sorry about that. Does that mean you've just <laughs> broken the news to Craig Thorley that me and you're doing the rally then? <laughs> who's, who's Craig Thorley? <laughs> um, <laughs> right, well I'll do the link for the next part of the show. Uh that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for this part of the show. We'll be back back with Craig Thorley. <laughs> we'll put that in later. Um, right. So, um, I suppose Ryan Champion, we should do something on the 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 question that you sent or the question that was set with regards to fuel. Would you like yeah. to hear some of the wild guests, gentlemen, that we've had on the fuel consumption? Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, before the event, event even started, uh, Gary Crossan sent in 280 litres, which I thought was a very sensible um, guess, really, all things considered. But the event hadn't even started. He sent in on the 24th. Um, then Bertie Redfern, um, firstly, congratulations to Brian and Craig on surviving uh, such an event. <laughs> How did I get my answer? So he guessed 292 litres, and he showed his workings out like it's an exam. Which I like. Right. Did he take into consideration the fuel that was left over from the tractor rod, though? Yeah. <laughs> Let me read this out. Right, I'm going to try and read it quickly. How did I get my answer? Nearly 75 stage miles were understandably lost on Saturday, and unfortunately another 15.6 miles cancelled on Sunday, leaving 227 competitive stage miles. Of the estimated 249 permissible trailer miles, 186 from Carlisle to Wales were done using a trailer. Social media picture confirms this. Jesus, it's Poirot. It's not. <laughs> the remaining 63 miles on Sunday evening would have been to mid-South Wales, which, driven according to a live GPS rally tracking website, this, along with 492 liaison miles, gives a coincidental total of 555 miles. Now, this could be where my spreadsheet will probably fail. But out of thin air, I guess six miles per, per gallon, stage consumption, 21 road, giving me a grand total of 292 litres. Oh, Thanks, Bertie. Yeah, yeah, Bertie, get in touch with Gary Boyd and he'll put you right on that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Quinson James. Right, he guessed 304.2 litres. Wow, specific. Yeah. 
again, congratulations also from Quinton. Um, Santiago Inglesius. <laughs> from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Trev, I love you know he's from Belfast. <laughs> 843 litres. Oh, she's thirsty. She's thirsty. Right, you're going to love this one. Right, so uh, Connell sent in his first answer on Monday and then had a really, really probably shat himself because I'm going to read this one. My answer to Ryan's question of the total amount of fuel used for the RAC is 5,369 litres. I'm working on a figure of 16 miles per gallon, so let's see if the maths is correct. Anyway, so just to let you know, that came in about literally about four minutes later. Sorry, me again. Sitting watching the highlights from the last few days and I realised I made a balls up in me mats. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> uh, my well, new answer... if, had to put, if they had to put the car in a rolling road overnight or something like that, I might <laughs> My new answer is 326.75 litres. There you go. <laughs> that seems much closer to the... Uh... What, what I would guess is a realistic total. Absolutely. Phil James went with 268 litres. Uh, Tom went with 416 litres. Um, Tom Howe, thanks, Tom, for putting your address as well. Very presumptuous you were going to win something. Love it. Love that confidence. Uh, Trevor Dempsey, Ryan used 521 litres. There you go. There was no guess. He's just telling me. Um, Brimmore, um, I don't know whether you can answer, answer this, Brimmore. You were actually doing the rally. Um, but anyway. Um, and you, but you slept in the car, so I'll give you a buy on that one with Chris. Um, 521 litres. And Ian Clappen went. Brynmore Pierce says 520. <laughs> yeah. Their, their, their escort must be very thirsty. Brynmore, what, or is that, or are you and Harris drinking some of the petrol as well? Yeah. And last but not least, Ian Clappen, 467 litres. So, Ryan Champion, going from the sublimes to ridiculous. What was the first guess before the rally? Before the rally, that he was, was Gary uh, Gary Crossan, and he was 280 litres. Oh, that was a good guess, because we should have used, uh, uh, had we done every stage, which we didn't, as, as uh, somebody mentioned with Scotland being cancelled, but we no, should that's have That's why used. you run, you, you did one less stage than everybody else. <laughs> we did one well less day. <laughs> yeah. Go but on. we should have used 261 litres. Wow. So what did you end up using? In actual fact, because of uh, Garth Ennio being cancelled and the Scottish stage has been cancelled, we used 189 litres. 189. So, in essence, Gary's still the closest then, isn't he? Uh, Did you have somebody, you had somebody at 262, no, you had somebody else there, didn't you? Just under that. Somebody at 5,500, remember? Yeah. (laughs) Are you sure it's not (laughs) 1,890? Have you missed a zero off that calculation, Ryan? <laughs> well, I, I didn't do the calculation. You've got to speak to Craig Thorley. Oh, if people keep talking about this Craig Thorley character. I've got no idea who he is. Yeah, who is he? Um, right, so we had... Uh, yeah, so we had 292, 843, 5,369. <laughs> Correct. Oh, bless. <laughs> Correct, it's a 326. Um, 
Phil James. So James, Phil James is leading at the moment, isn't he? Two sixty-eight. Um, no, Gary. Gary before the rally was less than that, wasn't it? No, no, two eighty. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so I think Phil James is currently in the lead at two sixty-eight. Uh, yeah, four sixteen. Trevor Dempsey five hundred and twenty-one. Brimmore five hundred. Brimmore hasn't won this. Is is outrageous? And Ian Clapton four hundred and sixty-seven. So in, uh, in sequence is outrageous, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Phil James, you are our winner. Unless I'm missing something here. At two hundred and sixty-eight liters. So, um, Phil, we will be in contact, and uh, you will be able to get your flight case, uh, your special edition flight case. By the way, they have completely sold out. I've probably, probably gone up in value now. Probably have. And just to add to this, next week, and I'm saying this as a massive caveat as well, there is going to be another competition off the back of this, which, believe it or not, until approximately 20 minutes before I started recording this with Ryan Champion, I knew nothing about. Him and Kielder put it together. Yeah, yeah. You think it's my train set? You change, princess. <laughs> Trevor's doing the links, so there's only a matter of time before the train set moves home, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one thing, one of the things for sure, right, I, I wish I could do, uh, Jack, you're, you're the youngest out of all memes. Uh, is that the correct term for them? Is it memes or memes or whatever? And memes when you lose a memes. limb, isn't it? Yeah, memes. Memes. Yeah. yeah. I'm disappointed that nobody's done one for Stefan Prevo who, of course, was on the rally in car 84. And I kind of wanted the wet, the, the bad weather. The, the fact that bad weather came in is the fact that the forest was scared of Stefan Prevo giving them his <laughs> feedback. That's what I wanted. I, I'm gutted that when Ryan Champion stole the microphone off Matt Cotton that they didn't wander down the line to find Stefan Prevo because he had plenty oh, of time to. Absolutely. I've had to wander a few cars back. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was quite a few down, to be fair. Oh, oh, Ryan, 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 Ryan was too he did busy. wander forward. He did wander forward. There was a delay, and he did wander forward to say hello. So, thank Bless you, Stefan. Ryan was too busy. You are canking in Goldie Noble after he just crashed out the rally, which is outrageous as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's 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 pretty good for you. The speed, the speed was good. The corner was too tight. <laughs> yeah, corner was in the wrong place. Absolutely, um, oh, boys. Um, we, 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 we've, we, we're going to do more next week uh, as the dust settles. We'll have some more people on from from their RAC experiences. But have you brought in any other business this week, or are we just going to let let it be Princess Ryan's podcast? Got to be a podcast this week, surely. No, well, Trev's got one. Well, I was just going to mention the other rally that was on last well, weekend. I'm glad you did. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> which I was glued to as well on Saturday, the Killarney Historic Rally, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, the noise, everything about that rally. In fact, Rory Kennedy phoned me on the Monday, I think it was, and said, if you only ever do one more rally again, uh, do the Killarney Historic because it is just mighty fun. It was great for him because he was in an M3 uh, with uh, Donna Kelly and that brought back loads of memories of him. Doing it with Bertie Fisher, of course, and racing the Russians. Um, but it's just everything about it, the photographs, the camaraderie, the banter and all the beer and everything after which, wow. Um, <laughs> so it was a great rally. And 
I suppose the, the big congrats for me is to Paul Nagel on winning it uh, outright and therefore getting the trophy <laughs> with his father's name on it. This is sort of part of it, but yeah, his father was instrumental in putting the whole rally together and he won a trophy that was uh, commemorating him. So wow. that was pretty special, I think. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Did you see the other story that was there as well, which was, which I thought was brilliant with regards to Rory Gallagher's Samba? Yes, I did actually. Ryan, would, uh, have you seen that? I have, and somebody just sent me a link this morning as well uh, about it. So yeah, that, that was quite touching, wasn't it? Because that was, that was Rory's first car, I believe. Yeah. And I think there were about nine. Uh, I think there were about nine people around that car on the Thursday night. Uh, it was uh, it was a real team effort to get it out and get it round. So uh, yeah, that's amazing. But again, uh, you probably put a link to that on Twitter or something because it is a great story. And you know that's what it should be about. These stories are fantastic. I agree. I agree. Couple of other bits and pieces for me, just as my any other business. Queen of Speed. Has anybody seen it yet? Michel Mouton. Uh, yes, probably has. Yeah, uh, Jack. Make sure you check it out. Go on, right? What did you is say? It good, is it a good one? It's brilliant. It really is good. I have to say, um, really, really enjoyed it. And it's how we don't have more of these stories told in that manner. I think it, it, I think is a travesty where rallying is concerned. And for me, it was brilliant that uh, Nihal Arstakanayak uh, on uh, Five Live interviewed her yeah. for half an hour, uh, which was absolutely brilliant again. Yeah, I'm still. You know what? I've just downloaded that podcast this morning. To be honest with you, so uh, that'll 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 be listened to on the walk. But no, I, I really really enjoyed it. Uh, can't can't recommend it enough. Right? Sorry, did you say you'd seen it? No, I haven't seen it. I said Craig Thorley had seen it, so oh. he was telling me about it. He said because he has not a mention yet on this podcast. So, no, he hasn't. Um, he said he'd seen it. Said it was excellent as well. Uh, I think uh, Jules was involved, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, friend of the show, Julian Paul, who was uh, was involved in in making that as well. So well done, Julian. But uh, no, I believe it's excellent, and uh, looking forward to seeing that. Really is. And and the last question for me uh, to you, Ryan Champion, for for this week is, um, how many pairs of overalls did you wear during the course of that rally? Uh, two, actually. I had a third set, but didn't <laughs> break them out. Oh, and they're in. Melly, get. Um, do I, do I get any of the business? Yeah, sorry, Jack. I thought you didn't have one. Go on, mate. Go for it. No, no. No, it's all right. What I just number to... tram have I just been on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, pay tribute to the, the underrated star of the RAC rally, Craig Thorley, who was just fantastic, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> No, sorry, I'm only joking. Uh, well, I'm not joking. He was the underrated star of, of the show, but uh, obviously we've joked about him for the whole podcast. Adam Milner and, and Roy Jarvis at eighth overall in a 1600 yeah, Escort, which I thought was an absolutely phenomenal performance from Evan. Another one who um, was, was quite subdued at stage end and, and, and seemed really calm and, and relaxed, but every picture you saw, the car was uh, sideways and, and all over the place, which is absolutely great to see. Just, you know, 1600 Escort. To, to be mixing it with those guys up at the top is absolutely phenomenal. So I, I thought that was a great performance and wanted to give that a quick shout out. I'd also like to mention that, that fantastic rally double as well, which hasn't really been mentioned too much. Uh, to win the Manx and the RSE rally, from Craig Thorley's point of view, must be fantastic. He'd love that. Is that why? Have you been looking on EWRC.com by any chance? No. I know he's won the Manx and he's won the RSE, probably two rallies that he won to win all his life, and he's achieved that. In fairness, now, Ryan Champion hasn't done too bad either because he's won the East African Safari, and he's also won the RSE rally. And it's all down to me, really. He wouldn't want either of them if it wasn't for me. Isn't that right, Ryan Champion? 
down, down to you and Tony Simpson. Uh, and no, Jack Benyon, of course. Uh, well, what about the introduction to Richard Tuttle about that 10 years very, ago? That, no, that is very true. That <laughs> is very true. The introduction over a beer, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, or the reintroduction, I The reintroduction, is right. Yeah. I can't believe, as we celebrate, in inverted commas, the success of our co-host, Ryan Champion, on winning the RAC rally, the closing comments of this particular section is somebody else trying to claim credit for it. Well, I'm just trying to get myself a deal sorted for the Killarney Historic Rally next year. <laughs> Tony, knowing us, knowing us lot, that was exactly how the podcast should have ended. Yeah, to be fair, mate, I'll be honest with you. After, after I gave Ryan a dig in the ribs on the on the, the Thursday night about stop being, stop being silly, you've not drove in the dark, for the whole three or four days, I had a swagger going, yeah, it was me who got him to the end. <laughs> what did you do, Jack? Did you do anything? Come on, you might as well, mate. My, <laughs> I've just been my usual nice self. Yeah, so you were, see, you were nice and supportive. So basically, Ryan, without Team Absolute Rally, you would have been nowhere. Just Absolutely. Uh, one one thing that I thought was great, and I knew that all this happened, was just really tipping the hat to the guys who were fast and ran, certainly did it a couple of times. So you've got to hand it to Jason Pritchard and Phil, um, Dosh and Price and Noel, and to, and to Paul Barrett and Gordy Noble. Like Their pace was fantastic and ran, ran his rally. We're all rooting for him, but uh, yeah, it's it was just fabulous to, to sit and Follow it over the weekend in those conditions and see you just progressing. Nothing changed. Just how cool he was on the last day to be able to do what he did with that interview with uh, Gordy. Um, fair play to both you, Craig, and everybody involved in the team. It was brilliant. Well done. And just just coming in on that, one other thing, uh, Phil Clark. Um, obviously, Phil and Jason crashed out on uh, whenever it was. I can't even remember what day it was, but I think it was was it Sunday night. Sun, Sunday. Um, yeah. And just got caught out uh, through some log piles, some some thick mud. Uh, touched some log piles and rolled down the road. And and they were the car was across the road. So as we got there, they were quite quite shaken up. Obviously, they've just had a, a fifth gear accident and and put them out of a, a you know a commanding position, leading the RAC. Brilliant performance. Um, but bless Phil Clark, he was on the stop line of the last stage of the rally and, and they had to come across and say congratulations. So um, big respect to, to Phil Clark for, for actually turning out the following day and coming to watch the rally. No, absolutely. T- top top man, top gentleman. Lot, lot, lots of time for all those guys. Um, boys, we, 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 we've done our bit now. That's it. We're, we're good. We'll do some more next week. We'll have some more fun next week as well. Um, Jack, um, please make sure you get on the right tram to go home. <laughs> We've just been talking about this and not really explained why you keep talking about trams. So well, but I so probably should explain the fact that that um, uh, Jack Bennion now lives in 1984, clearly. <laughs> uh, in, in Greater Manchester. In, in Greater Manchester. Had no internet or phone signal and had to get on a tram to travel to 19... 19- 89. Oh, he, said, he said 84, and the, the Orwellians out there would say that we all live in 1984 these days with Super Fortune, but there you go. Good job your job doesn't involve using internet. <laughs> 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 uh, my Wi-Fi went down. My Wi-Fi went down and they had no phone signal, so I had to get on the tram to, to, to get some signal just to be on the podcast. This so is, that's the level of, level of commitment that I'm bringing to the show this week. That is you fantastic. Need, you need... You need a MiFi with a different network. Just there's a little bit of backup. It's a co-driver thing, Jack. Yeah. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, Ryan Champion, well done again. There you go. Thank you. I, I actually say some, ni- uh, some some nice things later on, but you, you'll have to listen to the podcast. Um, when's, when's the party? Yeah, the Absolute Rally Party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it should be double with the Absolute Rally Christmas Party, shouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Is it? Is it at John Desborough's house in front of his fire in his front of his own fire with his with his Christmas stocking hung up and in, he, in the shirt his, in the shirt that Walt Disney threw up over and, and he will read us a chapter of his book and you've led us quite nicely into because after the break both John Desborough and I are back with Robert Reed is it is it you and Robert Reed listening to John Desborough's audiobook is it called uh, Dorset's Finest <laughs> it is. Do you know what? That's where I was going to leave the link, but I'm actually just going to leave that in now. There you go, folks. We'll be back after this break. <laughs> this is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. It's the Absolute Rally Podcast, the world-famous Absolute Rally Podcast. And uh, it's a delight to be able to go back 20 years for this podcast because, as people always tease me, nostalgia, it's great, but it's just not as good as it used to be. Except this nostalgia is going to be as good as it used to be because it's our great pleasure on the podcast to introduce the legend that is Robert Reed. Robert, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, John. I'm happy to be joining you today. Fabulous, fabulous. Are you prepared to go back 20 years ago to winning the championship? Has it been going, has it been going through your mind? Has it been something you've been thinking of, you know, over the last sort of week, two weeks? Yeah, or, well, is this something that idiots like us have just been reminding you of? No, I mean, it's, it's been hard to escape. Um, it's, uh, you know, been really nice to see all the people that, um, have been celebrating the 20 years. <clears throat> all the pictures and comments and messages and everything. So, yeah, it's been it's been pretty hard not to uh, take some nostalgic trips back. And have you seen some stuff and heard some stories that even you, after all these years, didn't know about? Uh, no, I think I've told some stories that nobody else knew about, but um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure about the other way around. Yeah. Do you remember what you were doing 20 years ago this week? You know, how, you're on top of the world. What was happening? Uh, we were in court. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Robbie, it's funny. I thought, am I going to be able to broach the subject that that entire week after Burnsy and you won, it was all a little muted, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just the entire week. It went on for several weeks. Um, so, yeah, we had a couple of days uh, afterwards, and then then it all started. But um, you know, that's twenty years ago. It's yeah. what it was at the time. Um, Certainly, there were some big celebrations immediately and a rather painful journey to London on the Monday morning to do some filming around Marble Arch. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got a bit of time to celebrate and then uh, we had sports personality and various things in London as well. So, yeah, we we got a bit of time during during that point as well. Do you talk about the court case and the leaving ProDrive and joining um, Peugeot, or is that something that you prefer to leave to the side? To be honest, I don't know the actual details of it. I wasn't personally involved with much of it. 
So um, I just know it went on for a bit, and then it was all sorted. So um, that's that's really all I all I can really add to it. Because as I remember, you never really thought you were going to win the world championship in two thousand and one. You should have won it in two thousand, maybe won it in nineteen ninety nine. But it was all a bit of a surprise to everybody, and that got in the way of joining Peugeot, didn't it? Um, yeah, to some degree. I mean, I I don't think it was that we didn't think we were going to win it. I mean, I think we always believed we were going to win it, but it was a it was a pretty long shot. Even you're after winning New Zealand and then, you know, the disaster we had in San Remo and, and, and various other events. It was um I think I've I've read somewhere this week that somebody said it was the championship nobody wanted to win. Um <laughs> so it was uh yeah, it was interesting how it how it all played out. And when you say it was the championship nobody wanted to win, when did you and Richard think that it wasn't such a long shot, it could still happen? Or did you start Rally GB 20 years ago thinking, look, let's just go and enjoy it. If we win it, we win it. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think the interesting thing is it was a four-way fight on GB, and I don't remember that at all. As far as we were concerned, it was a two-way fight. So, um, you know, not playing down the the skills of, of Carlos and, and Tommy, but we absolutely, in our minds, you know, it was a it was a two-way fight, and that's how we were approaching it. And you know, I think the the actual story of the rally itself is fairly well told. I mean, we were we were um, in a position that we felt was comfortable for us when you know, unfortunately, Colin went out. Um, it would have in some ways been much easier and in other ways much harder had he not gone out uh, because then, you know, percentage driving is never is never easy. And, um, you know, you've got a few challenges, a few problems. We, we had quite a few problems that um, I don't know whether it was caused by lack of concentration by everybody or just it, it was kind of the elephant in the room. I think we passed... Colin's accident and, and I said to Richard come on concentrate and he said you concentrate and then two <laughs> corners later we were off backwards so yes, I remember. Um, so yeah it was it was a it was a tough few days um, but the, the year previous we had done all we could and didn't win so you know this year we we we, we did all we had to do and did win. Mm. Yeah. Robert, listening into all of this back at uh, Absolute Rally Podcast HQ, it's a very glamorous, glittery sort of a place, is uh, is Tony. Tony, do you remember <laughs> where you were when all this was kicking off 20 years ago? I mean, what was your view of this? Ah. Because it seemed like a massive, massive celebration and moment for British rallying. It was huge. And I was out on the stage. I used to buy the packs, you know, you used to be able to pay. I can't even remember what it was, but you kind of get this plastic folder. Uh, and it's when I just I'd actually just started competing at the time. Um, so I was massively in awe and I massively, you know, desperately just wanted to be just be around. You know, I can remember going to service and stuff like that. Just 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 being around, just just hopefully just trying to pick something up uh, uh, along the way, whether there was any tips or whatever. But Watching this, and it's funny actually, Robert, because you mentioned then um, about going off um, a couple of corners. Like that stays with me. The moment you started speaking, then 
I knew you were going to mention about going off backwards, whether it's a driver <laughs> thing or whatever. But did Richard, you know, and, and I suppose the question is, would you have had it as well? Did you have a reset button at that point? Is, did, was there a, you know, I, I always want to say a safe word there, but is, that's probably inappropriate. But is there a reset word that was said at that point where you go, okay, look, you know, uh, or, or did that happen, you know, when, when, when the cameras were off at the end of the stage on the road section? Yeah, I think I think it kind of happens after the stage because during the stage, you there's a million one things go through your mind. You know, first of all, I hope he's okay because it was a it was a massive shunt and it was you know a steaming pile of metal uh, you know quite far off the road. So um, there's lots of things go through your mind. So I think it's quite hard to reset during the stage. It's much easier afterwards. To say okay. Here's where we are. Here's what we need to do. Um, you know, we can easily achieve this, and and you you have the reset at that point. Is it a case of you know were you doing the maths at that point, or was somebody back at ProDrive doing the maths, feeding this through on the radio? Obviously, because you know, I suppose the strategy then changes. Well, it, it does change, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I think I think both is the is the answer. I mean, we were probably more reliant on our calculations and anything you know i think it's interesting when you when you get the opportunity to be professional in this sport everybody thinks oh it's great you, you just turn up and uh, everybody does everything for you but they they kind of forget that in order to understand and be able to work with all the information you've got to put the effort in beforehand as well so you know there's there's definitely a um a case of you know keeping Keep in control yourself, always working out yourself what's going on, and you know, because ultimately that's where the buck stops. Mm. Oh, you know, I know John's mentioned this. Sorry, John, I'll bring you back in a sec. Just one thing I, I, I was kind of fascinated about at this point, obviously, um, you, John's mentioned about obviously the, the departure that came kind of soon after, but I'm, I'm guessing it was it was still going to be such a big thing for Pro Drive to get you home. Was it was it kind of a weird a weird atmosphere in the sense of you knew you were going and they knew you were going and the, the divorce was happening, but you know, you were, it's like you were hanging around for the kids. Was it, was it, was it, do you think it would have been different if you knew you were staying there the following year, for instance? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I mean, everybody was incredibly professional. So whilst all this was going on in the background, it didn't detract from what we were doing. I think that's you know that's the mark of of professionals, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think there would even if we'd been staying, there would have been you know joy at winning, but frustration at how difficult we'd made it for ourselves. And and you know, Richard was one of these debrief win, lose or draw type people. So whereas a lot of drivers win and go to the bar and say, oh, we don't need to debrief because we won. Richard was very different in that respect. So he was always, you know, if we if we've won or we've done well, let's work out why so we can recreate it, mm. rather than just sense. saying, okay, you know, it, it, it's, it's happened and, and we'll lose that data. So I think there would there would definitely have been a lot of celebrations, but there would pretty quickly have been a big debrief saying, well, that was great, we won, but. Why did we make it so difficult for ourselves and how can we make it easier in the future? Yeah, very good. Tony, can I jump in and ask a tabloid question? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, did it change your life, winning the World Championship? Um, yes and no. I suppose it's the, 
is the question. I mean, it was the realization of a a, a dream for well, a dream for uh, many years, and, and I think a, a focus and objective for for the the previous few years. I mean, it, it, one of the things I do remember is going to bed on the Saturday night thinking, if we win the World Championship tomorrow, will I want to do it again? You know, is it my Everest that I will have then conquered and then want to go off and do something else? Or will I, having done it once, want to do it again? So there was quite a lot of anxiety just over how how I would feel if and when it happened. And, you know, the, the, the positive thing is that when it did happen, I did want to go and do it again. Yeah. So, you know, it could have been a really big um, life-changing experience. I mean, now I tend to think of it as part of how I've got to where I've got to mm. rather than something that defines me, um, which uh, I think is, you know, is important for me that, um, yes, I won it. Yes, it was fantastic. Mm. Um, yes, it was 20 years ago. Uh, now there are other objectives and other things uh, that, you know, have have more importance than still celebrating winning 20 years ago. Yeah. I've got a couple more uh, tabloid questions. Is it the most difficult thing you've done so far, of course? Um, no. <laughs> now no, I want to know I, what the most difficult thing was. Well, I mean, done lots of things. I mean, running bars is pretty bloody difficult. Um <laughs> You know, I think in the, you know, in rallying and in, in, in that at that level, somebody pays you a considerable amount of money to go and do something that you really truly enjoy doing. And yes, with it comes pressure. Um, but you're you're good at doing it, which is why you got in that position in the first place. When you start to step out of your comfort zone. And you start to have to do things that maybe aren't key skills or core skills, uh, and actually realise that you know there's more to the world than the World Rally Championship. Yes. Sorry to burst that bubble for some people, but <laughs> um, then you know, I mean, without being too philosophical, I mean, I mean, life can be pretty tough at times. Yeah. Yeah. One more before Tony joins in. Are you surprised? Disappointed? or uh, something else that it's taken, we still, 20 years later, haven't got another British world champion, be he English, Welsh, Scottish, Northern Ireland, whatever. Yes, I am a bit surprised and disappointed. I mean, we've had a few people who have had a chance. It's not not quite worked out. Um, I suppose to have... Two contenders at the same time was also unusual. So we we used up our credits in a three or four year period. Yeah. Um, but you know, absolutely. I think the, the the biggest thing for me. I mean, when we won the world championship, it was great for Richard and I, undoubtedly. But it was, I think, great for the world rally championship. I mean, I think mm. it was a a season that that a lot of people look back, an era that a lot of people look back on. You know, a lot of manufacturers, a lot of different drivers could win different events. And absolutely, as you said at the the start of this piece, 
it was great for rallying in Britain. Mm. And I think that's the biggest disappointment for me that you know, Richard and Colin for, for various reasons both shocked basically at the end of 03 uh, mm. in terms of competing at the at the top. And perhaps we'd taken for granted that uh, we had two Brits there and it was just going to last. Yeah. There's certainly, you know, been a, a fairly big hole since in in British rallying. Mm. If I if I can ask Robert, when you know, obviously it's well documented, obviously what happened at the end of '03, that the the transition, obviously you're in a position now at the FIA, but the transition from being a world championship co-driver, and you 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 correctly pointed out before there is a life outside of it. How did you find the transition, and if I can use the term, being back to being a civilian again, almost? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. So for me, it took a long time because I I don't think I made that trans- transition until after the end of 05 when Richard passed away because I went from, you know, a very intense schedule of World Rally Championship to a pretty intense schedule of three or four days a week uh, being with Richard and supporting him through his illness. So, you know, I think that the end of 05 and then, you know, 06 or 07 for me was a double whammy because all of a sudden you're, you're mourning, you know, best friend, colleague, uh, fellow world champion, um, and also your career. Because at that point I was sort of thinking, you know, what the hell do I do now? Um, so... I think, I think, you know, different people uh, go through that transition phase in different ways. And I know uh, quite a few other, you know, sportsmen, rugby players, etc., that that I've been able to, to speak to when they've been going through that. And, you know, hopefully maybe just help them come to terms with uh, with what they're dealing with. It's 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 something which is you know as you say a lot of a lot of sports people do struggle with it and I think it's something which is is, is kind kind of lost a little bit uh, in rallying because you know I've only worked you know obviously I compete nationally and stuff like that but I've worked in you know in and around the world rally championship now for nearly twenty years and it is a world within a world the degrees of separation are ridiculous and then when you're not in it and I'm not in as much as what I used to be now. It, you, you, it, it's very you, you kind of very quickly all of a sudden you know it, it, it's like the, as you say there's very much a real world um, that you, you, you step into and it's it, 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 it's very odd really um, even for me so you know God knows what it must have been like for you guys um, just one last thing f- f- for me it was just something I read um, not so long ago and it was about the move to Peugeot and I know we, we, we keep going back to that but it was something you said about Marcus and obviously Marcus wasn't overly happy at the time, and that was Marcus's team. Did the pro drive ever actually feel like Richard's team? Um, don't know. You're coming up with good questions today, Tony. <laughs> um, I certainly, um, certainly the car did, or particularly the 2000 car, and latterly I think the 2001 car. Um, I, I don't really know about, I mean, certainly something that, that I remember very vividly is people at times saying to Richard, you know, you've been very lucky during your career because you've always ended up in the best car. <laughs> and, and Richard saying, well, don't you think that 
there are two aspects to that. One, that I chose an environment that I thought would be competitive. And two, that I was able to help a team develop a car. Yeah. You know, rather than it being lucky that you ended up in the best car. So um, I think, you know, whatever team you go to, you try to get yourself in that position where you're, you're an asset, not just as a driver getting results, as somebody who helps to drive not just yourself forward, but the whole team forward. I, it's, 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 it's just something that I find, find I, I'm just really conscious of time, Rob, because I, I love asking stuff like that. Not, not maybe the obvious stuff, to be honest with you. I just find it really fascinating the behind the scenes. But uh, John, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you wrap up now. May I, with, with two to finish with, which are kind of time related, but, um, they, they might be short, they might be long. Uh, last time Robert and I met, I was trying to put together a, um, a documentary to mark the 10th anniversary of, um, Richard's passing, of Richard's death. And we, um, we got together around the Camaro. And I remember Robert, you saying then that you had an ambition, you and Richard, to do the Dakar. Yep. Yep. That was, that was the plan. I mean, I think. Richard wouldn't have gone on forever and ever until he, you know, couldn't find a seat in World Rally. I think, um, you know, certainly for him, he absolutely um, understood and felt that there was more to life than than just um, World Rally Championship. Um, the plan was that obviously we were going to Subaru for 0405. I mean, the plan was to win the championship in 03, which I think was was doable had yeah. uh, had he not started to feel the effects of, of what transpired, you know, arguably from sort of Finland onwards. Yeah. Um, so uh, the plan was to go to Subaru 0405, definitely win the championship by 05 again. And then we talked about, I always said I didn't want to be sat in rally cars when I was 40. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I uh, I would be forty uh, in 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 '06. Um, so uh, the plan was to take some time off and maybe try and do a couple of raid events towards the end of '06, and then do Dakar '07 if we could get the possibility of doing it competitively, um, just as a one-off rather than a transition into cross-country rallying. Yeah. And the last one from me. Is it true Timo Rautianen phoned you up on New Year's Day 2002 and said it's a new year, you're not world champions anymore? Um, I don't remember that. <laughs> do, you know, do you know why I ask that? Because I think it was you that told me. He either phoned up New Year's this is, this is Marcus's um, co-driver. Um, but he either, yeah. Maybe you're being polite, Robert, because he's, he's no, been no, FIA. No, no, in fact, did he not phone up and say, it's a new year, son, you're not world champions anymore, which I thought was uh, interesting to uh, by way of a kind of welcome to Persia. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I honestly don't remember it. If I did, I would, um, I would say... Um, it sounds like the sort of thing you might have said. <laughs> exactly. That's why I ask. And, and yeah. you know, just to quantify that, um, Timo and I both do some bits and pieces for the FIA. So, um, you know, we do collaborate um, uh, arguably better now than we did 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, 
Robert, thank you so much. Um, we said we we're only going to grab you for a few minutes and uh, we, we, we've stalled probably too much of your time already. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, that's great. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Folks, we're going to go to a break. This is Absolute Rally. Quarter, leading commercial note supplier Killian Duffy has joined forces with 2016 British Rally Champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Thank you so much um, to Robert Reid for joining us. We know, obviously, he's been spoken to by lots of people, understandably, um, over the last few months um, to, to, to quite rightly mark the 20-year the, the anniversary. Um, you may or may not remember, we, we, we've, we've kind of done documentary stuff in the past, and we decided to do something a little bit different. And with our friend of the show and, and I dare I say co-host these days because you've kind of you've overstayed your welcome now John Desborough um, <laughs> it has to be said um, but of well, course I'll get yeah, my coat no 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 it's fine it's fine keep, keep, keep it off you won't feel the benefit when you go out um, we're we're going to do something which you and I spoke about for, for, for a little while now and it to me it's something very very special of course you you work with Richard on his book and you well, I was going to say stumbled across it. Obviously, you knew you had it. So perhaps just tell us a little bit about, I suppose, what we're going to be doing. Um, 20 years ago, well, maybe 19 and a half years ago, I got a call from his people saying, uh, would you write his book? He's got a deal with Horror and Storm. And he hired in uh, a friend of his to do some fabulous photographs and uh, hired me in as a kind of cub writer to write his life. And um, what came out of it was driving ambition. Uh, which was his story of his life. And every now and again, I still pick it up and think, this was bloody good, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, Photographic led, and then with his thoughts uh, recorded on tape over about four or five meetings. I think we did one uh, in Oxfordshire. We did one at the end of Cyprus. We did a couple in Barcelona where he was living, one in uh, Andorra where he was living as well. And these tapes have stayed with me just because I thought to myself, I can't get rid of these. And I still have a box of these things recorded on a little dictaphone. So, that, you know, they're the size of postage stamps, these tapes. And I thought it's about time they were heard. Uh, Hodders, the publisher in London, said, fine by us. You go ahead and do it. So what I've done is just go randomly go through all the tapes. Um, recorded on some professional equipment, by which I mean I put the microphone of the professional equipment up to the little dictaphone because I, to be a technophobe, couldn't make it work any other way. And what we've got is three little chunks of Richard and I talking about him, how he drives, his background, his rivals, where he came from when he first started, little things that you can find in the Driving Ambition book. Um, and I thought I would hand them over to you guys and we would put them out with Absolute Rally. Which... But, uh, Excited doesn't even cover it. Excited doesn't cover it. And we're well, really, really you know, happy in to. The, in the background, you do hear coffee cups. I think you hear the dishwasher go on. I mean, you know, you don't hear the dog bark, but there is all of that because uh, I had two little um, dictaphones. They were known as RB1 and RB2 simply because I realized that if one failed, I needed to have it on the other. And then I came home and uh, my wife signed and then put them into a, a machine and typed the whole thing up. And then we had to try and turn them into some sort of sense. So um, we've got three little very badly recorded chapters, but you can 
quite plainly hear Bernsey talking and handling my junior school questions about, you know, what's it like to drive a rally car? Um, and as only Richard can, he indulged me and gave me some great answers. So in a lot of cases, it's explaining things that many people who are in the sport will understand. But uh, he, uh, his unique, his unique thing, and he was one of the best at doing this, was was sitting you in the seat and explaining exactly what he does and how he does it. And I hope a little bit of that comes over. I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. Alistair, our producer, who, who is the unsung hero of Absolute Rally and has been for seven years, um, has been working his magic. Obviously, John's, John's very correctly pointed out we've had to work with the audio a little bit. It's not going to be a hundred percent crystal clear. Um, but we think it's just too good not, not to, to, to put out. Um, so the idea is, uh, what's going to happen is well, there's going to be an absolute rally this week, which is frightening because it is episode 13, which I'd, I'm getting a nosebleed because <laughs> normally there's only 10 episodes. Um, I blame Ryan Champion. Um, and so we're going to have an episode next week. Then we're going to have a short break. We are going to do something for Christmas. Dare I say the Christmas quiz. Then we're going to have a break. And then between Christmas and New Year, there will be an, a very, very special absolute rally, which will be John introducing um these tapes it will go out as one podcast it is it's around an hour and a half give or take um we were going to split it up but i think it's that period of time i think there's people have got plenty of downtime obviously we know people dip in and out of podcasts anyway and we think it stands up on its own two feet altogether so uh we're really really excited to put that out and it's uh it's thanks to john that we'll be able to do that and we think it's something very different and you know Listen, we respect all the tributes that have been done by by different outlets, obviously, to mark the time um, of Richard winning the championship and Robert winning the championship, of course. Um, So, yeah, this is this was our way of doing something a little bit different, I suppose, to the rest. So there you go. I hope it's a winner. Yeah, I think it will be. I really do. Really do. So, John, uh, you you can stand down until next week now. You've done all your hard work. You've you've done all your hard work now. Oh, can I take my makeup off? You can. You can. Please do. Sorry, so it's a TV lovey thing. It's a TV lovey thing, yeah. you know. It's just to make sure you didn't go home on the tube with your makeup on. That was unforgivable. <laughs> Look like something from, um, I was going to say. <laughs> you got yeah, it. Yeah, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Uh, folks, it has been Absolute Rally for this week. Thank you so much for the download. Again, congratulations to my co-host. We, we've obviously mercifully took the mick out of, of him uh, quite rightly. But uh, I have to say, I'll go on record because he's not here at this point so much massive respect for my mate Ryan Champion not only winning the RAC champ, uh, the RAC event but also you know it's only a couple of years ago he won the safari and there's not many people who've got that on the CV so while he's not here I will give him maximum credit and then some when he is here I'm going to rip the piss of course I am <laughs> there you go so that I've been absolutely right this be. week absolutely John uh, but folks we'll be back same time same place in the podcast hall next week absolute rally Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.